Hi, Heaven. Hello, Buffy. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. You know, I thought for a change, I just wouldn't brush my teeth today. Oh, I actually did. And I use mouthwash. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to laugh in your face with gross breath. I mean, I actually can't smell your breath from here. I have a bit of a cold, thankfully. So we seem to have called. No, a cold, not COVID. I've done a PCR. (laughs) Before you came over. Um, So between season one and two, I went to motherfucking Las Vegas. Yes, you did. I, I was extremely jealous. I know, I have and to I, say. I'm gonna just say Vegas was missing something. Most importantly, you. <gasps> oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was extremely jealous. I wished I could have gone out of you, but the world as it is now, it just wasn't that easy, unfortunately. C'est la vie. But um, I recall that trip that we have spoken about before where we stayed at the Extended Stay America. Oh, yes. If you guys have not listened to the Vegas episode from season (laughs) one. Cycle back. Cycle back. It's a good story. So at least I did stay somewhere nicer than the next space from Extended Stay America, which was um, that slightly shabby apartment building that we found that felt like really fancy comparatively. Yes. And then you got like you went just round the corner, round the block to the local Safeway and... uh, it was a whole different story. It was a whole different vibe. And I saw someone hook up on the floor, <laughs> just like literally spat their guts out on the floor inside the Safeway, not even outside on the street. That was a sign you were not in a good area. I think the most definitive sign of perhaps not in a good area was that the um, Dove shampoo was behind a locked cabinet. It was. <laughs> So I was in a slightly nicer neighborhood, although I will say that my lovely friends Grace and Tyler do live downtown, so you still get some specials around there. Ah, it's always fun. But, (laughs) you know, something that I think you might appreciate is my trip over there. Oh, what, to get there? Yeah, to get there. Your journey. Tell us about your journey. (laughs) How did that go? Well, I took Spirit Air, which um, for those uninitiated folks, Spirit Airways is... um, I don't, it's like an it's, it's an like air, a budget airline isn't it's it? it's like beyond yeah. i don't know ryanair is like very classy compared to spirit <laughs> airways and spirit airways going to vegas is its own special little special and i'm sitting at the front of the plane and we're starting to just go we're like on taxi takeoff and i'm sort of going cool we're great and then basically the man sort of not directly across me on the aisle but like diagonally across me on mm-hmm. the aisle um started making quite a big fuss and called the flight attendants over and it became quite quite apparent quite quickly that he'd shot himself <laughs> on the taxi. Why off. did he call people over though? I feel like if I <laughs> I might shot what myself. What would you do? Now, talk me through. What I would, wouldn't want to draw attention to so it. What, I would just sit in your poo. I'd just sit in my poo. <laughs> I would just sit in it and I'd wait for us to land on Is the that other really side. How you deal with I'd that? probably shut my eyes. <laughs> just <laughs> Just put a face mask on. (laughs) Nope, wasn't me. Is is this how you deal with bad situations? You just shut your eyes. Shut your eyes. Just sit in your own poop. I don't know if that would have rectified the situation. I'm just thinking about the last time I shot myself. I I did actually just sit there. I wasn't in front of people, so it's okay. Where were you? What do you mean you just? I was in my car. I, I was on the f- I was actually on the phone to one of my friends. I mean, um, if you're in your own car, I feel like don't shut your eyes because you're driving. I mean, that's clearly not the thing. To oh do. no, I wasn't driving it. I'd I'd parked up already. Okay, what? So you just I just sat there for a bit. Yeah, 
I mean, <laughs> I had to come to terms with the fact that I'd actually shat myself. <laughs> but anyway, tell me more about this guy. Well, he pulled the flight attendants over and they sort of made out that like there was an emergency, but, you know, everybody could smell the emergency. And then they gave him a white plastic bin bag um, to try and like cover himself with. What, he like wrapped it around like a skirt? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we had wow. to taxi all the way back again. Um, for him to vacate the plane. And then we just sort of sat in somebody's poo particles for the rest of the plane ride. And the lady who was sat next to him, it was a full flight. So nobody was switching seats with her. Oh and she just had God. to sit next to the poop seat for the rest of the time. So and that I was bet my... they didn't refund her as well. It's not that kind of airline. No, 100%. I mean, my mom sent me, because I text her, live text her what was going on. And she was like, ask for a refund. I was like, it's Spirit Airways. It's Spirit. Mom. They're not going to, yes. It's not going to happen. Oh. That's right. Awful. So um, the lesson learned. So that today, was a good introduction it really to Vegas. Was. I was like, welcome Vegas. home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poop Town, USA. Uh, but yeah, I. It's good to know that in a terrifying situation of deep embarrassment, you're just going to close your eyes yep. and <laughs> just process through. So we did a lot of fun stuff in Vegas. I did a lot of fun stuff in Vegas. We the s- strippers in the attic. We we did. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you were there with me in spirit. Yes. Um, but first up, we actually interviewed Valerie Stunning. We did. I mean, you did. I was oh, actually on the phone listening in, but obviously I was way too tinny to actually be recorded. Yeah, but your little tiny head is just bopping <laughs> the along screen. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem like you're having a good time. Yeah. So you were, you were definitely there in spirit. I absolutely love Valerie. I think she is a great character and um, she's just a lovely human. So it was really nice to, to listen in and hear her stories about her like stripper life. So yeah. Absolutely. So Without further ado, uh-huh. we will uh, let you guys listen to me chatting shit to Val. And uh, I hope you enjoy as much as we did. Yeah, enjoy. So I am sat here with one of my favorite strippers, the Valerie Stunning. Hi, Valerie. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. It's um, an absolute pleasure. So Valerie and I first met at the wonderful Palomino Club, which you guys would have heard me talk about a lot. And um, I instantly was like, wow, you're my kind of stripper. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. That's super cool to hear. Yeah, we, we gravitated. You had a great stage show. You have a great stage show. And uh, yeah. And how do you feel about being so close to my face right now in our I love setup? being so close to your face <laughs> all the time. You just meant like it's like doing a private dance. It kind of is where you go a bit cross-eyed because you're so close to somebody. Only we're wearing too, way too many clothes. <laughs> this is true. So how long have you been a stripper? I just hit 10 years. Okay. This past February. Congratulations. Thank you. A decade. That's a significant time in the business. It is. I feel like a full-fledged vet now. Like I can, I'm a card carrying stripper vet, you know? Yes. We actually, we have sexual entertainment licenses. What's your picture like? Because mine's pretty lame. (laughs) (laughs) So my picture looks like I have about 10 kids sitting in the station wagon in the parking lot and I'm on a few Xanax. Were you on any Xanax? No, I wasn't. That's just the way all my government IDs tend to look. I like that. That's good. It's, it's a vibe. It's it that is a vibe. Um, so where did you start stripping? I started stripping in Australia, Sydney, Australia. Oh, okay. And so how did you decide I'm going to go to Australia? Because you're from New York originally, yes? Yeah, and I was born in New York and I pretty much grew up in New Jersey, like okay. Sopranos, New Jersey. Okay, so you're a proper Jersey girl. Yeah, that's right. And so then you decided... <laughs> 
fuck this shit i'm going to australia um sort of kind of i ended up in australia because i i pretty much just picked up and moved there to be with a dude and yeah when i showed up i was coming from a background in restaurant work however australia's like their standards are completely different than what i was used to even working in like bougie fine dining in new york city is just a very different expectation so I kept getting fired from jobs. <laughs> Me too. That's how I started stripping. Is I got fired from everything, but it wasn't because I like different expectations. I was just shit. So I just, hilarious. I was a really bad waitress. So I just got fired a lot. Yeah. I, I got fired from like three jobs in a row in the span of maybe two and a half weeks. And I literally went home one day and I was like, fuck this. I've, ar- I've always thought about stripping. I had worked in cock. I had worked as a cocktail waitress in strip clubs. Like when I was 19, uh, you know, the kind of strip clubs that serve juice, you know, you BYO oh, okay. and like you, you serve like a twenty dollar. So these are like full nude, but no alcohol. Exactly, they're very common in New Jersey. They're always on a highway. So they're called it's... bikini bars, right? Yeah, no, this one was full nude. Oh, okay. no, sorry. So bikini bars where you have alcohol, but you can't. Yeah, there's no like nothing less than a bikini, essentially. Yeah. Got you. And then you've got the full nudies, but no alcohol. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a weird vibe, right? Because everybody's super sober or, or on drugs. <laughs> Well, not especially. What people do is they go out to the parking lot and they get real fucked up. Because, <laughs> you know, we're real known for our class in New Jersey. Okay. I see. And, and then they go into the strip club and either they leave it there or if the club allows a BYO, like this one I worked at did, okay. then you you will see like five dudes carrying in a cooler the size of a car. And it'll just be stocked and then they'll pay for their juice and their soda throughout the night. But I had started stripping in Sydney, Australia, and uh, essentially because I kept getting fired from jobs, I literally went home one day. I was like, this is bullshit. I've always wanted to try dancing. And the girl who was my roommate at the time had felt the same way. So we just rolled up the next day, literally. And we're like, we're here for a job. Okay. And so what was that first night like when you look back on that? Um... What, like, how was your audition process? What was... Okay, so the audition process was unlike any other experience I've had since that particular club. Uh, I don't know if it's common in all Australia clubs, but this one, there was literally an orientation. Oh. Yeah. So you had this seasoned veteran stripper who showed up and all the newbies came in like an hour before their day shift, right? Because all the newbies get day shift. Of course. <laughs> You're on day forever. Well, yeah. newbies and old bees. <laughs> mm, that's true. Once you, you've done the circuit yeah. and now you know better. <laughs> and uh, she came in. There was maybe eight of us. And she literally did like, okay, these are the A's, B's, and C's, the 101s of how the job works. That's amazing. Yeah. What you want to say. Um, what happens when you go to a VIP room. However, I will say this, uh, that club particularly, there was zero contact. So it was maybe setting me up for false expectations for when I got back to the States. Got you. Because, you know, pretty much everywhere in the States is full contact. Yes. Nearly. Yeah, exactly. That's quite nice, though, because really, for the most part, you never get any fucking information when you first go to a club. It's just like, OK, there you go. There's your shoes. There's your locker. Good luck. Yeah, it's this super high power, high, high pressured fucking sales job that you get tossed into. You have no idea what the hell you're doing. And then you just like figure it out or you don't or you don't <laughs> or you fail spectacularly. So uh-huh. 
you've got the A's, B's, 101s, C's, whatnot of stripping. What was your first night like? How did you find that? Like, what was your stage show? How did like, what were you wearing? I oh, God. Okay. So granted, a uh, 26-year-old Val was straight from New York, and I had this very... Uh, I looked completely different than I do now, as as one does after 10 years of, of course. stripping, especially in Vegas, right? And when I first, my very first day, I had this idea that I was going to be a classy stripper. Oh, and what did that mean? Uh, so <laughs> I was pretty much a Dita Von Tees knockoff. Okay. And I had really long black hair, and I waved it, like little old Hollywood style, and <laughs> I was like, Plastic shoes are gross. I'm never going to wear those on stage. I want people to know I'm expensive. So <laughs> I took like these beautiful satin four or five inch heels that I had. A little oh, peep toe. Ouch. Oh, girl. <laughs> and I brought those with me. And then I had this little satin black fucking, um, we'll call it like something like a slip dress, right? Okay. Between a slip dress and a nightie. And I remember sitting on the train on the way to the day shift <laughs> at this club on my first official day. I had cut slits in it. So it went super high up. Uh, so it was like mm, slightly slutty. Right. But still demure. Yeah. Classy. <laughs> yeah. Classy New York. And I remember sitting on the train and like sewing the frayed edges of this fucking frock <laughs> on my way to day shift. And then I get there and I've got red lipstick on. And my face is caked with like tons of foundation, too light for my skin tone. And yeah, that was that was the look. Okay. I diamante earrings. I was really leaning in. I mean, to be honest, you sound much classier than me or heaven because we, <laughs> uh, we went to H&M and just got like sequin underwear that like gave me a rash from my crotch You probably area. made a ton more money than I did my first day wearing uh, H&M. I don't know. <laughs> I was pretty failed. Um, so how did it work out with those really high heels for oh, you? Oh, my God. So let me tell you, by the end of the shift, I was that bitch barefoot in the dressing room crying. <laughs> <laughs> like looking at all the girls and looking at myself in the mirror like, you fucked up. There is a reason why these things exist. And like I left the club that day and went and bought my first pair of pleasers. How did your first stage show go? Because did you ever did you have any dance background? Did you have any idea of like how to get naked on stage? No, I, I mean, I had what I'd seen working at those other clubs when I was cocktailing and running the front door. And then I had had like my practice sessions with, you know, partners in the bedroom when I was fantasizing and just being like, I'm going to do a lap dance for you. <laughs> but it was real like Carmen Electra in the late 90s. Okay. Version, you know? And what was your song? Like, what were your track choices at this time? Because you dance to some great music now. Thank you. Um, was this always the case? I actually, I don't think we were allowed to choose our music oh. at that first club. Okay. But when I, when I eventually was allowed, I, I went real hard into hair metal. <laughs> <laughs> because like, why the fuck not? Okay. Like, can you name a track? Cause I don't know. I'm going to look it oh, up yeah. later. Like what? Give me your top hair metal track. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're really going there. <laughs> Um, let's see. I was dancing to Skid Row, 18 in Life. Oh, 18 in Life. I like it. Yeah. Uh, bon Jovi, because Jersey, duh, dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
gets better. Yeah. Uh, the Scorpions. Oh. The Zoo was like one of my favorite. It's still one of my favorite songs. I'm actually going to just request that you do me a little Spotify playlist. I, and I'm going to add a link done. on the show notes of <laughs> Valerie's hair metal playlist. Mm-hmm. My it's go-to. Good. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> You can also do Valerie's current music playlist just to balance it out for people. So, you Thank know. you. Like, uh, yeah, like the glow up, the before yeah, and after. Exactly. Please, I need that. I can't leave people thinking that that's how I still am. Because you worked in the UK. I did, yeah. And so it's... was this from France? You ended up working in the UK? Exactly that. Okay. So, so you actually worked at Sunset, which haven't also worked at. I Yeah, I worked at the fucking notorious Sunset Strip. And it was me... And a bunch of fabulous Brazilian Romanians and maybe like two British girls. Okay. So you're very exotic. <laughs> my American accent in the UK served me very well. Everybody was like, oh my God, you're American. Oh my God, you're from California. It was uh-huh. every little boy's wet dream. Oh, so yeah. Did you lean into that? I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was really the way I said water always gave me away. And my smile. People would look at me and be like, you're an American. You have an American mouth. <laughs> literally i was like what the fuck does that mean you do have a rather dazzling smile it's It's massive i know it's (laughs) like it's hypnotic i sort of see people just like get lost in it at the club and it's good that's great so how long did you you. work in the uk i total probably a year but i kept leaving so i would go for a few months at a time take off bounce around france was like no fucking way you can work here so i was like no okay (laughs) (laughs) okay okay i'll be back i'll be you know at sunset strip for the weekend and uh, then I would keep going back and forth. Okay. So did you like learn anything in those places? Did you learn a bit of your hustle there? What was? Oh, my God. Nothing teaches you how to hustle, like watching older, more experienced women do the job. And the Sunset Strip was a haven for workers like that. I learned so much smoking fucking Virginia Slims, 100s, right? The really long ones on the roof of the Sunset Strip and talking to like the most incredible Romanian women who've been just been there, done that and had like zero fucks to give. And they would just bestow their pearls of wisdom onto me. And I'm so grateful for that. So can you remember any pearls of wisdom that you were like, fuck, I am so happy. I know that. (laughs) Yeah, They used to hammer in the fact that like, you know, pretty much fuck these guys, like (laughs) stop trying so hard. What you think you need to do, all the Cosmo 101s you read as a teenager on how to like please your man, like is fucking bullshit. And really, all you have to do is make them feel special, make them feel like you're listening and show them your pussy. And that's it. (laughs) Literally, that's it. I mean, three bullet points, I think, is probably the best bullet points you could ever be given. (laughs) Special listen pussy. Mm -hmm. That's okay. good. At the end of the day, isn't that kind of what we all want to some degree? It is. I mean, yeah, it is. It's all anybody wants in the world. (laughs) So you came back to the United States eventually. And I do know, because obviously we we have had chats before, you were a feature dancer, which is not something we've really spoken about on the show, because it's a very uniquely American and Australian, actually, but a very uniquely American experience that we, well, there's nowhere to fucking feature dance in the UK. It's like going to go to Plymouth or something. (laughs) I've actually been to Plymouth. Okay. That was where I did my first burlesque show. There you go. Which is kind of a segue into how I got into featuring. Okay. So tell me, so from Plymouth to feature dancer in America, how did we get there? Uh, So yeah, I I started doing burlesque about six months after I started stripping at the club. Uh, Remember, I had a hard on for Dita. Okay. I really loved like 
the fetish and the pinup lifestyle. And I was like, well, now that I'm stripping, I'm sure those two are just synonymous. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and so I, I started doing burlesque and eventually I took a really big liking to it. And because I have a background in fashion from my school days, I was able to build my costumes and have acts that were, um, as you could say, I had uh, had more story. Yeah, more story. And, and just, uh, yeah, I, I had these beautiful costumes and I put together a few acts and I started touring around as a burlesque dancer. And then I had met someone here in Vegas who was like a sideshow feature performer. Okay, so sideshow, what, like, do they nail things? So sideshow normally is kind of like shock tactics. Yes, exactly that. So um, eating light bulbs, mousetraps on the pussy, uh, (laughs) putting cigarettes out on her tongue. Like, really incredible things that I did not do. But the whole whole shtick of her her troupe that she was uh, touring with was that they had, like, two or three super hardcore sideshow girls, and then they had one who was the pretty and the fluff. Got you. So you were a fluffer. I was a fluffer. You were a sideshow fluffer. I sure was. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's how I got into doing feature dancing in strip clubs. So what was that like? Because I imagine that some of these clubs would have been quite interesting. And just for people who don't understand what feature dancing is, can you explain the sort of setup for when you go into a club as a feature dancer? Yeah. So pretty much you, uh, you have an agent and your agent books you at whatever club. And it's usually a club that's not in like a huge city or if it isn't a big city, it's in like the smaller, less frequented part of town. And the idea is that the club wants to bring in clients, right? They want to draw attention. So they bring in this uh, headliner, if you will, the feature dancer, and they, they pay you X amount of money for a few days in a row. And then you have, in my experience, the better clubs will let you set higher prices Okay. Than what the house girls normally make, which I don't necessarily agree that that's fair as someone who is also a house girl. However, if you're traveling and you're coming into town and you have all these things to pay for, it's nice if you can like make some extra money. Does anything stand out to you as a particularly fantastic feature dancer experience in a strange place? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I mean, there is a... <laughs> Okay, there was this one show that I did with this troupe where uh, <clears throat> we put together uh, this group number after everybody came out and did their individual acts, and it was to Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of. Good. Mind you, I'm the fluff. <laughs> <laughs> I've got on Swarovski crystals and fucking ostrich feathers, okay? okay. Very anarchic. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, the song comes on and the girls start going off and doing what they're really fucking good at. And somehow I have to make my way onto the stage, get this like candle and this hot ass wax and pour it on one of the girls. Okay. But by the time I make my way up there, I'm bleeding. <laughs> and I don't know how. <laughs> and there's just blood gushing out of my leg. And so just had to incorporate it into the act. This is pre-COVID days, by the way. Okay. So how did you style that one out? You just like, you know, rub get it in. in there. Yeah. You, you rub it in. You make it look like it's part of the show. Like, <laughs> and you just keep going. Good. Did the audience respond well to oh, this? Oh, yeah. We were covered in money. It was great. It was fucking hot Blood wax, money. So blood hot money. <laughs> Them's the days. Uh-huh. And these sort of particularly small towns, did you 
I mean, did you enjoy, like, did you enjoy them the most? Did you like going to the bigger cities? What was the, what was the sort of experience like? I would say I've always, I've always loved working in smaller clubs and smaller cities more than bigger cities in general, whether I was feature dancing or house dancing at clubs. Uh, I would say, honestly, Vegas is the only big city I really love working in. And I just love that, like, Tarantino vibe in a strip club. Yes, because when I turned up to, when I turned up to Palomino, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a Tarantino strip club. But you worked at the Glitter Gulch. Oh, my God, my heart. Yes. I was so sad when that club closed. I mean, so the Glitter Gulch is quite legendary in Mm -hmm. Vegas. Iconic, yes. Uh, So give give us a little spiel on what the Glitter Gulch was. Uh, So the girls at Glitter Gulch, I don't remember when they opened, but they'd been around for a really long time. And it was the only like foot traffic club in Las Vegas. And it was on Fremont Street. So that's downtown Las Vegas. Yes. Where so, like the, the vision of Vegas is actually there. Exactly. You got the Golden Nugget. You have, uh, you know, the Four Queens, all these like ancient old school hotels. And then you, right now you have like the Fremont Street Experience, was, which is that canopy of LED lights. Mm-hmm. And the club was on that part. Okay. So, so. you just get to like all walks of life. Yeah. In. Just people rolling in. And it was the size of maybe most clubs now in Vegas. Probably smaller than half the dressing rooms. Okay. It was tiny and so old school. Like no contact, no VIP room. Like their VIP room, and I am doing air quotes right now. Okay. (laughs) The VIP room was maybe the size of your bedroom. It had one banquette going along the peripheral of the room. And then everybody sardined next to each other. But those are the clients. Yes. And every girl, like, we were constantly crashing knees into somebody or headbutting someone's ass when you were hair flipping. Like, it was just a fucking mess. But in that environment, I really learned how to create intimacy. When there was none. Yes. Like, with people. Like, how do you keep someone's attention when you're literally sandwiched between two complete strangers and the one on your left has two girls with them, the one on your right has another girl, and how do you make it feel like it's just you and that one person in the so room? So how do you do that? Well, <laughs> now that you ask. <laughs> uh, for me, my style of hustle has always been more to figure out where there's some kind of genuine connection okay. with somebody. And to tease that part out of them and and really play to that. So a lot of eye contact, a lot of like, touching but not in like the strip club sense of touching just like you know the hair and the shoulders and pressing into them and like intimate yeah sensual i'm definitely more uh i've been told i'm cold and sensual i mean you're definitely a very sensual dancer you're very like you you, and you connect with people so you know i noticed that you do something kind of we have a similar vibe sometimes and the thing where i can really see that you're doing this micro performance for Mm. everybody that you're performing for and i think that background of burlesque background of performance really lends to that that you make people feel that they're special and you really make that eye contact with them and you don't shy away from that and you're a grown-up so it's true (laughs) there are benefits to being older in the industry and starting later yeah I mean that's and that's 26 is actually considered quite late to start Mm -hmm. in the industry like because I started at 18 damn and I didn't know shit about (laughs) fucking anything like at all so I feel like at 26 you would be able to have just a better sense of yourself yeah you got some life experience behind you for sure I definitely felt like having had like 10 years of a whole nother career behind me at that point 
really helped me transition into stripping in a different way that maybe if I was 18, I wouldn't have been able to do. And how did you find, because I, so I came to Miami, which was tragic as fuck because anybody who knows me knows that I am not Miami. Um, And it was the first touching club I ever worked in. And it was intense. And I was 34. So, you know, that was intense for me at 34. I was like, oh, okay. I've really got to work out where my boundaries are here because this is a lot more than I'm used to. And it wasn't even full nude. And I still found it like just a lot. So how did you find that? And how did you find your way around making boundaries? Uh, I would say that's a multi-pronged answer. Go on then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My first experience with full contact clubs was at a club in New York City uh, in Times Square. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was pretty fucking awful. Not going to lie. And I was banished to day shift once again. (laughs) Still a baby stripper. And the club just was so exploitative and just took tons of your money and did not give a fuck and like promised the moon to all the clients. And then the girls, it's up to them to either deliver or figure their way out of it, right? And that experience... Uh, at first it was kind of traumatizing, you know, like being essentially assaulted like at work and not knowing how to deal with it and, and how to establish boundaries up front in a space that's already sexualized and you're supposed to be there to do a job, but you don't, you don't really know in the beginning with stripping sometimes what that job is. You think it's whatever the customer wants and that's not the case. Like when you get older, you learn like, oh, it's actually what I'm comfortable doing. And then you learn boundaries and how to set boundaries. Like, okay, if what I'm comfortable doing works for you, then we can go ahead and have a good time. Absolutely. I mean, I've had countless guys be like, well, look, girl over there. I'm like, cool. Sounds like you should dance with her then Uh because I'm not doing that. So I think the confidence to say that came. It took me a couple of weeks to just sort of go like, oh, you mean I don't have to ha- let somebody dry hump me the whole dance? That's- oh, man. It took me years. I'm glad it took you <laughs> weeks. It did not take me weeks. I was been dry humped for a long time. Oh, man. Yeah. I would say it probably took me like, yeah, maybe a year or two working at full contact clubs to be like, all right, this is, this is not, I'm not okay. All this was happening. I was going home. I was feeling pretty crappy about my job and the work I was doing all of a sudden coming from two positive experiences beforehand overseas and eventually I there was this one guy who would come in who was actually really cool very generous but super handsy and he would like just hold on to your hip oh my god and one day I remember I came so hard giving a dance to that guy All right. Well, that seemed to work out better for you, to be fair. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was my first time coming at the club. Oh. And like realizing like, okay, I feel, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I just made a ton of money. uh, And had an orgasm. And I had an orgasm. I mean, that sounds like a great night to me. I'm going to be honest. In there is is the solution, right? (laughs) It's like. No, that does not always happen. But I I started to really think about, okay, if I gave the type of dances I wanted to give to the type of people I want to give them to, and there's some kind of mutual pleasure involved, right? Does it have to be shameful? No. 
And yes, and so I learned then that like, okay, there's definitely a type of client and a type of dance that I don't want to do. And with something like this, it was more of a positive experience for me. Yeah, and it got me thinking, and that's when I started really kind of leaning into like this being as much of a curated experience for me as it is for clients. I like that. Yeah, thank you. And I'm, again, I want to reiterate that I don't always come. It's very (laughs) rare, actually, when I give a lap dance. Um, What I'm known for is... (laughs) (laughs) Valerie, the human faucet. like it but I you know that's a that's a powerful experience it is because it really touches on a lot of things that as women even outside of stripping that we're conditioned to feel shame about right yeah like sexual pleasure uh work asking for money having boundaries like and all of these things taking place in the same environment it's a lot to grapple with Mm -hmm. so if Mm -hmm. you could give advice to your baby stripper self what would you tell her? Ooh, let's see. I would tell baby stripper Val, one, pay attention to what, what you want and what you don't want and assert yourself more. You're not here for anybody else but yourself. You're here to make money. This is your job, but you are your boss and you do not need to acquiesce to every fucking demand of every fucking client. That is very good advice. Yeah. So that would be number one. Number two, uh, fucking do less. Like, you really don't need to try so hard. I actually, I could tell a baby stripper from a mile away now, right? And it's usually the ones who, and this is how you learn, right? Because again, this is a high-pressured sales job with no on-site training, except for my experience, but that was also very limited. Uh, But you don't need to, overact your personality with a client you literally i say the same fucking 20 things every yeah, night that's i mean that's you just rotate them for who's in front of exactly. you exactly and the, the the trick is you know you use them as openers and then eventually you have a more authentic engaging conversation right if it goes that way uh but you don't need to be the most interesting, the funniest, the hottest, the whatever it is up first, like right away within the first five minutes. You don't need to try that hard. You literally just need to figure out what it is they're there for. It's like very sort of fast action sales where you just go, okay, can I make anything here? Is this going to work out? And then just move on. A hundred percent. Yes. Like three songs max. I'll spend with somebody before I decide, okay, is this worth it or not? Actually, that's a really good point. Cause I think all of us, because especially in, in Vegas where we'd worked in Palomino, the the songs are three minutes, mm-hmm. right? They, they limit it three minutes. So you can like basically time everything in increments of three minutes. And all of us are like, okay, two songs. I've been here for two songs. I'll give them one more song. And then I'm going to go like, that yep. is the process of how you make it through. And we all have this like weird internal body clock that understands like 15 minute increments because everything is, <laughs> yeah. is paid for in 15 minute increments. So it's you're true. like, yeah, I know exactly like to the minute, like we've been here for half an hour yep. <laughs> like, right. and I'm going now. Nipples get soft after 15 minutes, unless you're re-upping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I would say my final thing I would tell baby Val, baby stripper Val, uh, is to take care of your body. You know, I, I've always been into, you know, eating right and whatnot. But, oh, man, I was boozing so hard in the early days. And between that 
and literally not not working out the way I should to develop strength in certain parts of my body that could really use it now in my mid to late 30s. Uh, it's like things are creeping up where I'm like, oh, my fucking hip or oh, goddamn my knee. Like that shit, the body remembers. Like all those times you drop split, all those times you fucking somersaulted onto somebody's face. Like your body remembers. And eventually one day you wake up if you didn't do like the yoga or the lifting weights and build the strength around those parts that you're using all the time. One day you wake up and you're like, fuck, I can't bend over. I feel like people's moms now, because if I see like a young baby stripper doing something, where I'm like, oh no, you're going to, you're going to blow out your knees. I'm like, sweetie, you can't do that. Yes. You're really going to hurt yourself. <laughs> like- but that's the thing, right? Is that when we start the job, like people, because of all the stigma and everything we know around the actual business, people don't go, oh, hey, you're literally a fucking star athlete now Yeah, in eight inch heels, right? And you have to condition your body to keep up with that level of performance. Absolutely. And if you don't, you will deteriorate. And, and you, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes. And then if you mix that with the late nights and you mix that on top of that with drinking and not looking mm-hmm. after yourself in other ways, that you're going to crumble and burn out pretty quick. Yeah. And guess what doesn't pay your bills? Burnout. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it has been so amazing to see you today and to be back in Vegas, which is one of my favorite cities which i thought i would hate but i actually fucking love it creeps up on you like that doesn't it it really does i've really missed it and it has been very exciting to be here and i will definitely be coming back out to have a slutty stripper trip with you yes oh <laughs> at I some point be soon so lucky and Thank um you. i'm gonna voice note all about my experience tonight in the club so i hope something weird happens because i am always up for the weird listen it's a full moon and an eclipse oh it's gonna be all weird it's gonna be super weird i'm gonna yeah okay i'm i'm in i'm ready i'm ready for this shit but thank you so much for coming on today and um i'll be seeing you soon thank you for having me have fun tonight make all the money well right. see you later Val. Okay, that was a fabulous interview with Valerie. If I do say yeah. so myself, I mean, wow. It was great to hear from her. Pretty cool. Just bragging a little bit there. That was an amazing interview. Yeah, well I, I mean, wow. <laughs> like, just one of the most amazing. Terry Gross, watch out. I'm sorry. So we're, we're just going to have to interject back in here because I got some questions. For me? Yeah. And? <laughs> For the last half an hour, I've just been sitting here thinking, excuse me? You just shot yourself in the car. I want some background. <laughs> have you eaten something strange? Well, you never some... shot yourself in your car before. No, no, I have not. Um, so like, you know, was there a dietary situation that I need to know about? Like not to feed you something? No. There... Chickpeas, you already know about that. Yeah, but that's just farting. That's not, that's offensive farting. That isn't actually like dirty protest situation. So what, what was going on in your life, Heaven? So... Around that time, anyone that knows me knows that when I'm in between boyfriends, uh, I'm probably not my best self. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I tend to party a lot, drink a lot and yeah. um, and and have lots of sexual intercourse <laughs> with random people I don't know. Because I really deal with breakups really well. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> so I was going through one of those periods and I think that night I had been out on a bender mm. um, and I had actually taken someone home that night uh, who... Looked like he was about my age okay. at the time. What? How old were you at this? I think at the time, I must have been like 24, something okay. like that. So I wasn't that old, like maybe 23, something like that. So I wasn't that old. But um, the next morning when we woke up, he was like, oh, um, would you be able to drop me to college? <laughs> and I was like, 
oh, I mean, how old are you? I was thinking, fuck, is, is this even legal? It turns out he was like 17, just 18, about so legal. that was okay. He was just about legal. For me, who I tend to sleep with older men, so that was quite a shock for wow, me. I don't like, think I'd pedo, ever done that. Pedo no, Proper nonsense. Pedo pooper. So, <laughs> so anyway, me in a fucking rush was just like, okay, better take him to school. Didn't have my morning shit. Um, Which is very important and to you. Very important. I was really, I was deeply hungover as well. I think I've been drinking like vodka and tequila all night, which oh. is awful. Anyway, dropped him off to school. Um, then my friend called me to find out what the fuck happened last night. And uh, I was kind of laughing so hard about it that I just ended up <laughs> shitting myself. And I remember her words being like, well, life can't get much worse. I mean, you've just shat yourself in your car. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I mean- and so I just sat there for a while. And just took it all in. Closed your eyes. Yeah, closed my eyes. <laughs> put, put my sleep mask back on. <laughs> but no, that was that was the last time I shat myself. Okay, so, well, thanks yeah. for clarifying. It's You're nice. Welcome. It's nice to know. I my questions have been answered. Um, right. Well, until next time, try not to do that. I yeah. I mean, I'll see you next week, so I'm sure you can manage that for I sure. Think so. uh, and. Um, Always lovely seeing you, Heather. You too. Take care. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate you hitting that subscribe button and leaving us a positive review. All show notes and social media links can be found on our website, www.strippersintheattic.com. This episode was brought to you by House of Vixens. Produced by Stephen Armstrong. Editing and post-production by Adam Grigg. Original music by Myron Cohen and Hart McNee. And our artwork was brought to you by Ben Prescott. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'm Buffy. And I'm Heaven. And together we are... Strippers in the Attic. Strippers in the Attic.